everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. This is Season 4, Episode 30. I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. How's it going, Key? It's going pretty well. <laughs> um, I was just thinking back to our last two episodes, 28 and 29, when we did the interview. Um, part one and part two. Definitely go on SoundCloud and iTunes and check out those two episodes. They were great. We had some great guests on our show and the conversation was amazing. What do you think about it? Yeah, definitely. It was the first time we had multiple guests on the show. So it was interesting, like working with that dynamic, but a lot of insights, a great energy, like you said. I really had a fun time doing it. So yeah, definitely go back and check out that episode. And also, while we're at it, just to give you guys an update, we actually got some good news and we just uploaded the unapologetically different ringtone to iTunes and to the Tune Store for Android phones. So yeah, definitely go and get that ringtone. It's pretty dope. I personally love it. It just has like a really chill, jazzy vibe. And I actually set it as my alarm when I'm waking up in the morning. It's like I feel like I just get out of bed like... Like, I'm floating and like, uh, it makes you motivated to do work, yeah, pertaining to our podcast as well. Yeah, I'm always working. Oh, Coach, okay, Coach P's always working. Oh, okay, so <laughs> make sure we was on the same page, bro. <laughs> no <Yeah>. shade. <laughs> awesome. All right, then let's get into it. So, earlier this month, HM tried it with their latest virtual catalog. So there was a black boy modeling a sweatshirt that said, the coolest monkey in the jungle. And in in that same catalog, there was a young white model wearing the mangrove jungle survival expert hoodie. And there was a huge uproar that was centered around the black boy and the insensitivity of the branding by H&M, essentially implying, for, for some people, it occurred as they were implying that the black boy was a monkey. So. What was your initial reaction to it? I'm like, actually. Keep it on yeah, because no, no, no. you were like, really like. I you, was tight. Pierre called me up and was like, livid. I was like, bruh. So I'm gonna let you explain it. Yeah, I normally am like, super even keel, don't really get to like angry about things or just don't overreact most of the time but I was I lost it because I guess for me personally being um darker skinned I've been called a monkey growing up been called midnight darkness like every variation of dark jokes and I definitely had like a lot of issues growing up like as a kid where I'd go in the bathroom and turn off the lights and not want to actually look in the mirror because I thought I was ugly and I felt, I didn't feel good about my skin tone. Mm -hmm. And so I think because of that, like because of my past and the way when I saw that ad, I was just like, are you kidding me right now? Like it literally was like, it pinched the nerve. Like it got to me and I was fuming. Um, So much so that I actually started a petition to boycott H&M, which me personally, I don't really shop there anymore. Like, but that was like a staple for me back in the day. And, but I just felt like in this day and age, 
with everything that's going on, as a global organization, you need to have some awareness of cultural, um, uh, I guess, culturally. Right, exactly. And just, yeah, be conscious of how something that you're putting out can be perceived by people that could be buying your brand. So, yeah, that that was my initial reaction. What about you? Um, I mean, honestly, I wasn't surprised by what took place. I, I did feel like something should be done. When you did reach out to me about the petition, I was like, okay, um, we can try that route. <laughs> and let's see how effective it will be. My whole premise of, I think, why a petition or boycott should have happened, essentially, is because that'll get the message across to H&M um, in regards to the directors, or board of directors for that matter. And I think more so to have someone in the role of really in terms of consciousness and when you're doing marketing so they know that, okay, that's a problem before it becomes a bigger problem. So I think that should be the end goal of doing the protest or um, boycott. But at first, I, I get where your anger was coming from, you being upset. You had every right to be. I just think um, in, re- in reaction to what was going on and what other people were saying, there were people on the fence. There were some people who were like, anti-H&M, and there's other people who was just like, it's not that serious, and then they had the people in between. I wasn't on your level of having a protest and boycott, to be quite frank, because I wasn't surprised. Um, But I was really, I commended you for that, because I was like, I'm with you. You contacted me, I was like, yo, we out, we can do this petition, I have no problem doing that. And for me, more so, I worked in H&M years ago. I've done retail, and the reality is, the people who work in the stores, and they're folding and doing registers, and maintaining the, the fitting rooms, they are mostly people of color, primarily black people. And as you go up in the ranks and, you know, regional managers or not even at corporate, when they come to visit the store, it's barely black people or a person or a person of color. And that's why for me, I never really felt the need to go up at the ranks and retail. I was like, I don't care to be a manager. I don't care to go up because you already know who's at the top. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't like that. To me, a company, H&M is one of those companies that promote diversity like like no other. You go interview with them now. If you go do the interview process, they're really big on diversity, allegedly. But then when you see this marketing coming out, it's like, how big are you on diversity? Where's the disparity? Because, and that's my problem with it, is that you shouldn't have just people of color working in the stores. And when you get to corporate, it's barely people of color, barely black people, or barely anyone at corporate who actually worked in the stores and worked their way up the ranks. And that's why I don't like about it. So in, in regards to, in reaction to um, this ad, that's where I, I was coming from for me because I was like, I'm not surprised. I've been there. I worked there. I know how they operate. Like, you know what I'm saying? Not saying that it's more of a reason to say, let's sit back and chill and not do nothing. I commend those who came forward who wanted to protest, boycott, it even just sparked a conversation. Um, I think that was very important. And there was speculation that H&M pulled the move strategically for popularity and marketing purposes. Um, I'm not sure how true it is because it seems like if companies like that do that, their their name are at the tip of people's tongue and it's a great way of marketing force to kind of um, move business. I don't know if that's really true because it's not done in a, in a positive way. What is your take on that? Well... I think if they did do that as a marketing publicity stunt, that was just stupid. There's a whole, there's a bunch of other ways you can get publicity um, without doing that. I think anytime you, people 
are calling to boycott your store or people are pulling business from you, is it worth that? Like, so I highly doubt that it, I highly doubt that it was a marketing stunt. I could be wrong, but I just think, uh, it's like I, I was over it and I had like kind of calmed down. But just now that we're now talking about it again, again, yeah, I'm just literally getting annoyed. But I will say to you that I appreciate you sharing the story of you growing up and you feeling that way about your dark skin. It's crazy to me because like I'm obsessed, like low key obsessed with dark skin men. Like, if you're dark-skinned and you approach me, you get, like, a bonus. Don't get excited now. Pierre, relax. <laughs> anyway. Because he like, all right. How we in there? No. I, but, just, I just came back from Brazil, so right now. I'm, I'm, like, a little extra dark right now. now. <laughs> Shut up. I hate you. But, no, real talk, like, like to me, I love dark, dark-skinned men. The melanin, to me, is just, like, everything so... Just want to let you know that there are people out there that appreciate and love you for who you are, Aww. despite this ad being put out there and being promoted in this negative way. And I do appreciate you sharing that because not a lot of dark-skinned men really share that they've had those difficulties, especially growing up. And it's... So when you seen the picture of that boy, he reminded you of yourself? Basically. And that's... and that I guess that's what really got me frustrated about it because at the end of the day, you can't discount people's feelings People are going to feel what they feel, and you have to just be aware of that. And you may not agree with them, but you just have to be, you have to, you have to understand that it is what it is. So as a global brand, you should take into account the people that are buying your clothes and just have the wherewithal to make better decisions. So that's why I was so upset with it, because it's like, damn. I loved this brand, and now I just feel like with everything that's going on in the world, police brutality, the kneeling in the NFL, like, just so much things going on when it comes to people of color. Like, no one, no one anywhere thought that this might be a little problematic. And I've heard people say, well, H&M is a Scandinavian country, like, they, they're part of a Scandinavian country, and racism isn't like a real thing they for them. originated in Sweden, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah, in Sweden. So it's like, for them, it's a different culture, but I'm like, that's that nonsense. That's like, not, that's not, no, let's not go that route. They different culture. They, yeah. mm, I don't want to hear that. And like, literally all throughout Europe, um, there are soccer players who have experienced people throwing bananas onto the field because they're black and they're essentially calling them monkeys. So it's like, Cut the crap. Like, I don't want to hear, oh, people don't even correlate being called a monkey with being black. Like, when I heard that argument, that was, I, that just got me even more annoyed. Like, you're just, you're bullshitting now. Um, whew. Damn. Feels good to kind of, like, get that off my chest. No, I'm glad you're sharing and you're speaking about it. I think it's very true. And that was the thing, too, about the cultural dynamic of people really understanding. But like you said, and even in your position, I thought it was valid. We're in 2018. Like, there's no excuse. You should be cognizant of what you're putting out there and what you're promoting, especially with a brand that is supposed to, you know, in some aspects, emulate diversity on all counts, especially with the people they hire. Yes. But it's questionable as to who they're hiring because if you go on their website, their board of directors are all white people. Like, it's all primarily white people. So, to me, 
that was kind of crazy in a sense of how would you even know what you did is a problem if it's primarily composed of people of one type of race? Like, how can you really be cognizant of how you affected another kind of race? Like, you wouldn't even get that. And that's why I find it to be like, to me, the board of directors should represent the stores, the workers in the stores. It should represent like it should be a whole diverse panel of people like and that's where cultural differences come into play and like you know, change, and not only change growth, but a different kind of perspective, and it probably enhanced their brand to another level. Yeah. So I was really bothered by that, because I seen a picture going around of the board of directors, like, let me go online and check it out, and it's really just primarily white people, and I was just like, wow, like, and when you go to their stores, especially in New York, it's primarily, like, people of color, black people working there, and even other states, too, when you go to those stores, there's not just white people working there, so to me, it's like, what are you trying to say? We're good for the you know hard labor but when it comes to making decisions for the company and moving it forward we're not a part of those decisions and speaking of like when it when it came about a lot of people were saying well not a lot of people but people were discussing like okay like we see it as a problem what's going on with his parents <laughs> and as we can see why they didn't see it as a problem because the mother came out stating that people are overreacting it's not that serious they need to get over it it's to the point that the family her and um the father decided to relocate because they felt like their safety was put into jeopardy because of what they seen, people reacting to what happened and across um, the world or whatever or over the world. And so she thought that we were overreacting and it wasn't even that serious. And I was like, oh, wow. Great. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of just the reaction and the backlash, there were several stores in H&M in South Africa which were vandalized. And H&M actually ended up temporarily closing stores in the country. Like, so, I personally think that that was a overreaction. Like, I don't think there should be vandalizing of the store. Like, if you don't, if you don't so support... So, vandalizing the store and protesting to that capacity is overreacting. But your initial response and boycott in the company is not overreacting. I just want to be clear for our audience. Well, yeah, I think... If I'm going to not give you my money, that's one thing. Like, I get to choose where I spend my money. Yeah. But me, actually, because I don't like what you did, I'm going to go and destroy your property. Like, that, I think that's inappropriate. You don't, that's just ridiculous to me. But now that the mother has said that we overreacted, even just by doing the boycott, do you think that well, you overreacted in terms of the petition? Well, I think at the end of the day, that, I think as consumers, we, where we spend our money is completely in our right. Mm -hmm. And regardless of whether she agrees with that or not, I can just choose not to spend my money at a certain establishment. And I think that's in your power. Like, but actually doing, actually vandalizing, going and destroying someone else's property, that's just illegal. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the difference between those two. No, it's true. And I think, I mean, also, too, like, at this point with the way things are going on in this country and even in other countries in terms of race relations, I mean, I'm, I mean, vandalizing the stores, yeah, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, is there a correct way of handling these situations? Is there a correct way to react? Because even when it was like protests with police brutality and it was vandalism that happened, um, even, I mean, we could speak about Ferguson, and how stores are vandalized and stuff like that. And people was like, that's not how you go about protesting. Clearly, protesting has transformed from Martin Luther King Jr.'s days. Like, we're not, not all of us are about the whole peaceful aspect of conducting a protest. 
But to me, it's like, is there a certain formula? Like, boycott and petition, that was good. Then boycott petition hit home for H&M. Around the time that this happened, their stock had dropped, like, within that day or, what you know, whatever. I mean, I would have rather it dropped for, like, weeks at a time because they would have felt it. Um, but to me, I guess my point is more so to, like, it's like, is there a formula of how to protest in these situations? Because his mom thought it was overreacting just by us saying something. The fact that we said something was overreacting. Um, even though her son got way more publicity than he would have got if it was just regular and nobody said anything. So, you know what I'm saying? There was some kind of, there was a pro there. Um, but then it's like the petition happened and some people said that was a bit much or to boycott H&M in general, people were complaining and that's a bit much. And then now to take it a step further, vandalism. I just, I guess for me in these instances, when it comes to race relations, you want to do something impactful so they understand don't do it again and, and really think and be conscious of what you're doing. But then again, you don't want it to be like a tap on the shoulder where it's just like, oh, it's okay. And it, so it's like, to me, it's like, where's the happy medium where it's like, it's enough that we're doing and it's not being told that it's like too much. But on the other end, the receiving end, they're being receptive to what's going on and be like, okay, I get it where I'm not going to continue down that path. Yeah. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. And for me personally, I just think that vandalism, anything illegal, that should be out of the question. Mm-hmm. But as consumers, that's literally where all our power comes is where we spend our money. Mm-hmm. And businesses have to earn our trust to for us to spend our money with them. And I think the, the company's bottom line, that's where you're really going to affect real change. I personally could care less if H&M lost so much business that they went out and they went under. Because I think that would send a clear-cut message that just racial insensitivity is just not going to be tolerated in this day and age now. Like, So that's that's my personal opinion about that. But I, did, and I think I get what you're saying in terms of um, kind of teaching a lesson so that it doesn't happen again. And I, I genuinely think where we spend our money is the quickest way to re- see real change with anything, mm-hmm. like at all. Once you take the money out, like that's a major motivating factor. No, it's true. It's very valid. And also subsequent to the backlash, um, The Weeknd and GEZ, which are our musicians, they cut ties with H&M. They no longer want to work with the company or be affiliated with them. And H&M hired a global leader for diversity and inclusiveness. She goes by the name of Annie Wu. So we'll see what happens down the road in terms of what they're going to do. But like, as I had mentioned earlier, is that that will be the end result for me, is you hiring someone to create diversity and have this dialogue so that the problem, it doesn't leave the boardroom. Mm-hmm. Where it's like you're able to handle it, manage it, and take care of it where it doesn't become a bigger issue. So hopefully Annie Wu could come in fill the shoes and do what she needs to do. And hopefully they'll hire more people, um, not just her. I don't I don't think it just should stop at her. It should hire more people to be a part of, um, in terms of their diversity and inclusiveness. And I really hope that they hire people that have qualifications, that have a background knowledge of these things. That, you know, you went to college and you may took a social studies class or women and gender studies course or a feminist course or an African-American studies course. Something that has a cultural appeal and understanding and builds social consciousness. Because those courses actually make a difference. It definitely enhanced my understanding of the world over these years. And I feel like that will be important to have someone in those positions. Don't just get anybody 
to throw in there. They're a person <laughs> of color here, fit them right, and they're gonna be, and they're not conscious. And that was my thing. I don't want you to fill a quota by having a black person or Asian or another person of color just to fit it. I want you to have someone there that is also socially conscious that is aware of what's going on. Because if you just have another random person of color who's not woke and is in a sunken place, where are we going to go? We're going to have Get Out Part 2? Like, what What are we going to do? Would you Would you take that job? I mean, it depends on what they're paying me, honey. Uh, yeah. You know I, them discounts. I, you I, know. I just, I just have to check the, the tag on Kiana's sweater. It's very fashionable. Uh, I, I just double checked to see if it was H&M. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> I mean, it depends on what, honestly, like, it really depends if they were. I mean, I wouldn't mind being in a position like that because you're making change. But for me, I would want to bring more people on. It wouldn't just be, because to me, who's going to just fill that role by themselves? Yeah. The whole point of you having someone in that position is to have more people on. And definitely talking to the people in the stores that's doing the hard labor as to how they would want to see the company move forward. Acknowledge what their take on is with things as well. And there's probably internal issues going on at H&M, racial issues that they weren't even aware of. So having that conversation and stuff like that. But I would love to see the corporate, I would love to see the corporate workers, and it's going to be my last take on it, I would really like to see the corporate workers reflect the people who actually work in the stores. Um, And I'm talking about people who just started out, like not people who work their way up, people who work in the stores because it, to me, that's a true representation of your company. Yeah. Well said. Thank you, thank you. Speaking of countries. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Oh, the Donald. So um, Trump met with lawmakers in the Oval Office where they discussed protecting immigrants from Haiti, El Salvador, and African countries as a part of a bipartisan immigration deal. And according to people that were in the meeting, he was basically saying that we do not need any more Haitians. He was saying, why are we getting Haitians and people from African countries? Because they're considered shithole countries in his mind, um, which is very small. And he was basically saying to take them out and also suggested that we should get immigrants from Asian countries because they actually help the economy. So, Pierre, <laughs> what was your take on that? I mean, I'm going to just say... I mean, I, I'm coming at you because you're Haitian, but... Ça passe it. All right. In general, <laughs> like, that was just, like, ridiculous. But what was your, like, initial, like, when you heard all of that, like... So, when I saw... I think you sent it to me. You yeah. sent me the article. He was like, why are you trying to roll my day? I was like, yeah. bruh. I, that was, like, the next day mm-hmm. after the H&M incident, or maybe two days afterwards. Literally, my blood pressure just, like started skyrocketing and i'm just like are you like like why are they coming at me this way like what did i do <laughs> like seriously what did i do to get to get this and but like right at that moment i literally stopped i took a deep breath and i was just like i cannot let this get to me because i mean you can't we got like three more years bro right two and a half or so i don't even know and i'm just like i literally i started to really think about practicing what I preach like at the end of the day you can't control what other people say or what other people do but you always have the power to control how you respond to it so I honestly just kind of took a deep breath and was just like this is ridiculous why like let me read this article and see what he actually said um and then I just I reached out to my brothers to talk to him about it to see if he saw it 
So my initial reaction was, you I was speaking Creole. Huh? <laughs> nah, yeah, <laughs> I'm teasing. Like I was, I was really like pissed at first, but then I kind of just brought it back. The biggest thing that really came up for me was, it was kind of glaringly apparent how, when things really are, when things really affect you on a personal level. It's so much easier to feel passionate about it because, like, with yeah. the H and M, me true. being dark skinned and then now he's specifically talking about Haiti. Like everything Trump has done, well, not everything. A lot of things Trump has done and said, I completely disagree with. But hearing this one particularly, like, really got to me, and I'm just like, wow, I haven't been as like animated or felt as passionate about other things that he's said. So it's like that. Just, that was that was just like really kind of a big point for me. Just seeing like I can imagine how Muslim people felt from the Muslim ban, or certain women felt about the pussy grabbing comment, or how um, just just so many different things that he's said and done that affected different groups. Like now he actually came at a group that I'm a part of specifically. And it was just like, damn. Um, what about you? What were your thoughts? Um, honestly, not to say that I didn't care. I did, and I did feel a way about it. But I'm not. It's not because he said, like, you know, because African descent. So we all, like, under that umbrella, essentially. But to me, I was tight from the Muslim land. I was passionate about that. I was passionate about him building a wall. Like, I was outraged at those things. And I'm not saying it to be like, oh, she's just... I'm not saying that. Let me tell you something. When it comes to me, it doesn't have to be something specific to me that I went through. I feel... I feel it. Mm -hmm. It's humanity. Like, you want to feel for the other person despite whether you're in that position or not. And that's a problem with us as a nation. If it's like, if I didn't go through it, it ain't important. Like, I guarantee if a lot of white people experience police brutality the way we did, we all would be marching. We all would be out there. You know what I'm saying? And it wouldn't even be... It wouldn't be no Charlottesville. Because <laughs> we would have ran through that. <laughs> the whole nation. You know what I'm saying? So, like, to me personally, like... I, it's not that I didn't get riled up. I did. But it's like, I've been riled up when he was saying things before. And that's why I had kind of made a post. Like, what y'all thought this was? Y'all thought he was going to stop at Mexicans? I thought he's going to stop at, like, you know, with the Muslim ban. He's coming for everybody. And for you to say, like, we need to get people from Norway. Like, what are you trying to say? Like, that is, and it's, to me, what gets me irate. It ain't what he said, because I'm not surprised by Trump. I ain't surprised by him at all. Is that the the conversations that are being had around some politicians and even people who are on these political shows or what have you can't say that he's racist. It's like, what more this man got to say? Does he have to lynch a black person and hang them on a tree? And even that, they're like, it was a misunderstanding. <laughs> he used a different That name. man was a criminal. <laughs> like, that man was a... He whistled at a white woman. I was literally <laughs> saying that in my head. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was. I, we talk about Emmett Till, if y'all don't know. And come to find out the white woman on her deathbed said that he never whistled at so she lied. And even even if he did, he shouldn't have died anyway. You know, Emma Taylor's Google it because I ain't, that's a whole other episode. Yes. Well, really quickly, the reason that came to mind is because I saw a video about 
um, they're actually going to be creating a movie about it. Taraji P. Henson. Yeah. Shout yeah, out to she's Taraji. She's going to be playing his mom. That's and, crazy. Yeah. We just had like a psychic connection we on definitely air. definitely did. This is how we do. I, you're, that's why, see, this is why me and Kiana like work so well together. Because I was like, I can't say that. That's like too much. And she just said it. <laughs> and every time I say something too much, you be like, oh my God. We balance each other. <laughs> we definitely do. But bringing it back though, like real talk, I'm not, the outrage to me happened a long time ago. And it's unfortunate, and I'm not trying to come at you, but it's unfortunate that some of us are outraged now. We should have been outraged before. We should have been outraged on the campaign trail when he was talking about black people need to be tamed. Like from that time, I was like, bro, law and order which is the same rhetoric that was used years ago when they trying to, you know, in terms of having us in a prison industrial complex. So to me, the outrage of what he said was, it wasn't it. I'm more outraged with people who can't call it what it is. Like, he's racist. Like, it's like, oh, I, I'm i not sure. Um, and clearly, I wasn't the only one bothered by that. Um, Cory Booker, who is a New Jersey Democratic senator, recently was questioning... Kristen Nielsen, who is the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. And she didn't recall, um, or she act like she didn't know what Trump had said in that Oval meeting. And he actually, he went in on her. Like, it was so good. We got to play the clip. Play the clip, please. The commander-in-chief in an Oval Office meeting referring to people from African countries and Haitians with the most vile and vulgar language. That language festers. When ignorance and bigotry is allied with power, it is a dangerous force in our country. Your silence and your amnesia is complicity. Right now in our nation, we have a problem. I don't know if 73% of your time is spent on white supremacist hate groups. I don't know if 73% of your time is spent concerned about the people in fear in communities in this country, Sikh Americans, Muslim Americans, black Americans. The fact pattern is clear of the threats in this country. I hurt. When Dick Durbin called me, I had tears of rage when I heard about this experience in that meeting. And for you not to feel that hurt and that pain and to dismiss some of the questions of my colleagues saying I've already answered that line of questions when tens of millions of Americans are hurting right now because of what they're worried about what happened in the White House. That's unacceptable to me. There are threats in this country. People plotting. I receive enough death threats to know the reality. Kamala receives enough death threats to know the reality. Maisie receives enough death threats to know the reality. And I've got a president of the United States whose office I respect who talks about the countries of origins of my fellow citizens in the most despicable of manner. You don't remember. You can't remember the words of your commander-in-chief. I find that unacceptable. Mr. Chairman, I'm grateful to be on this committee. I'm more than ever today happy I am here. Thank you. Well, that was just wonderful. Now, wasn't it? Yeah, that was crazy. When I saw it, like, you could just feel the energy in the room like he was just i thought i was mad over like the h&m incident he was on another level because he was calling her on bullshit it was like you you didn't hear what he said all of a sudden you forgot what was going on in the meeting so what was the point of you being in the meeting if you're gonna forget shit 
Like, what What you there for? If somebody get the meeting notes. Like, it don't even make sense. And I really, honestly, go check out the clip. It's on YouTube. And he really went in and I, I never seen that side of him. And I was like, I'm glad to see that kind of, not solely aggression, but frustration that no one wants to put up with the BS. And we see it for what it is. And you call a spade a spade. What did you think? Did you think that, did it give you the result you wanted or you felt like no? Oh, no. Honestly, I, I love the clip because I love the energy, the passion behind it. But personally, I'm kind of tired of seeing these like videos and clips at Senate hearings because I think it's great for publicity. It's great for these certain senators for like for them getting reelected because they're out here yelling and screaming. But like with the Betsy DeVos um, Senate hearing, all the facts they were giving, she still got confirmed. And hearing him talk about everything that's going... probably go- played a part in that. It's probably, <laughs> you I mean, know what seriously. time it is. <laughs> and like seeing him talk about all of this, like, but what's going to come of it? I, I personally, I guess maybe I'm jaded. Like, I'd rather see real tangible results than sound bites. But that's why I think when it comes to boycotting and not spending your money at certain establishments that you don't support anymore, that's how you're going to see real tangible results. When you take the money away, people will start acting acting straight and acting accordingly really quickly. No, I think it's it's valid that you make that point. It's true, though. I think for me, I like to see that in terms of the in terms of these hearings or meetings, because you see the humanity of these um, politicians that they actually care about something. But like you said, you want to see results. And I like to see results too, like impeachment today. But um, also... Mueller was good. <laughs> <laughs> like, where, you, where we at? <laughs> <laughs> like, where we at with this impeachment, bro? Um, but my thing is, did he even consider Haitians a part of shithole countries? Um, you know, since 2010, the Trump administration requested more than 500 visas... Um, for workers at the Mar-a-Lago, which is also known as the Winter White House. So it's apparently like a luxury resort. And many of the foreign workers were brought in to staff the club on a seasonal basis from Haiti and Romania. So currently the Department of Homeland Security in a regulatory filing stated Haiti was removed from the list of more than 80 countries eligible for the H-2B and the H-2A work visas. And just to let you guys know the difference between the H-2A and the H-2B, the H-2A allows U.S. employers to bring foreign nationals to the U.S. to fill seasonal and temporary agricultural jobs for which U.S. workers are not available. And H-B-2 similarly fills a temporary non-agricultural jobs. So the reason that the Department of Homeland Security cited for the removal of Haiti was high levels of fraud and abuse and a high rate of overstaying the terms of their visas. I find it very ironic that Trump wants to call these African countries and countries like Haiti shithole countries, but then he wants to make America great again, but he's hiring people from shithole countries to come work at his resort, like, aren't there hard-working Americans who would want those jobs and get that pay? Uh, so, I don't know. Well, it, apparently not, because it seems like only Asians are qualified, according to him, and he wants people from Norway. Um, I don't know. To me, it's just, he's ass-backwards, because it he was fine with having Haitians. Um, he didn't consider them shithole countries, I'm sure, when they were at the resort working. 
there. And now all of a sudden that he's in a position of power, they're considered shithole countries. And for you to say like African countries, what countries are you speaking of? Because Africa is a continent for those of you who don't know. So it's like, what countries are you specifying in terms of being shitholes? To what capacity? And what's the definition of a shithole? <laughs> like, so to me, I feel like his his reasoning and the way his analysis, of course, is straight racism. And it's bullshit. But what, what I was kind of annoyed by was people who are Haitian and people who are Africans feeling the need to reinforce their integrity and their purpose. Like, I came from a great home and I had a great upbringing and I'm educated you don't need to validate yourself for nobody. Yeah. And that goes for all of y'all out there. Do not validate yourself for being Haitian or for being African. You are who you are and you're great at it. Don't feel like you got to validate your purpose, your existence. You got your credentials, how many degrees you have. Y'all, all of y'all probably have way more degrees than this man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't need to validate yourself to him. He's going to be who he is. And I just, I, I didn't really care for that. Like, we don't need to be like, oh, this is why we're worthy. This is who we are. We're not shithole. No. He going to say what he want. And it's unfortunate that he's running his mouth. But we need to have our politicians hold him accountable for what he's saying. That's why, to me, it was problematic about people not calling it racism and they playing with the word like oh well you know maybe he just had a bad day the fuck no <laughs> it's not a bad day it's nothing what he did was wrong and a straight racism we need to call him for what he is like we can't go above this and you see how cory booker reacted in that clip like it's ridiculous where we're at as a nation in 2018 are you serious yeah it, it's insane so switching gears, <laughs> talking about equal rights and pay in Hollywood, you know, now with this whole Me Too campaign has transitioned now into Time's Up and women talking about not only sexual harassment in Hollywood, but also in regards to equal pay, which is, is kind of on the tip of people's tongue as to how much women get paid in comparison to their men counterparts. And especially if you're a black woman, how much you're getting paid in regards to your black male counterpart. So Monique, the comedian is requesting people to boycott Netflix. I know that's that's Ugh. huge. That's huge, bruh. Um, she off she was offered five hundred thousand for her comedy special, but the problem was is that Amy Schumer, who's also a comedian, she was offered thirteen million. Damn. Initially, she was offered eleven million, but then she negotiated for two million because um she compared herself to Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock. She was like, they're legends, so of course I can't get paid the same amount as them. But she was basically saying that she's good enough to get paid more than $11 million. So she ended up with $13 million. Monique was offered 500000 For those of you who've watched Monique over the years, she's been a comedian for over 30 years. She was on a sitcom, The Parkers. Um, she got won an Oscar for Precious. And so it's like, how are you getting paid 500000 and Amy Schumer is getting paid $13 million for a um, comedy special? Also, after some further research, Wanda Sykes, she tweeted that she was offered less than 250000 by Netflix, which is crazy because Wanda Sykes, reoccurring role on Blackish, which is on ABC, she also still does stand up. And she, she does, she's very relatable to the white audience. Like she has that appeal where she's one of those comedians that, you know, she's relatable on all aspects. So, and also too, D. Ray Davis. He was paid $5 million for his special on Netflix. And I'm not going to front. When I first seen I was like, wait, who was that? I had to Google him. Because I was like... <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's him. But it was like, your name don't ring bells to me for you to be getting $5 million. And I'm not trying to throw shade at him. He's he's funny. He's a 
who's a comedian. But I just, it wasn't like, oh, a Dave Chappelle in a crib. I was like, oh, I didn't have to Google him. I, I really had to Google him because I was just like, wait, who is this dude? Like, He's from Wall and Hope. Okay. <laughs> but I don't, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no shade. But I don't recall him getting an Oscar. I don't, you know, I don't recall him being on a sitcom that was running for about a couple to several years or so. So... I'm not negating the fact that he's not deserving of what he got, but it's very questionable that Monique, who's been in the industry for quite some time, is getting $500,000. Wanda Sykes getting less than half of what Monique getting, which is a, don't even make sense. And then he getting $5 million? Like, I wasn't good at math, bro, but I'm not just looking a little off. Mm. There's a lot of zeros missing on Monique's behalf. Hmm. Um... So, it's understandable that Amy's getting paid that amount because of her success, her recent success. And her popularity. She's kind of the it comedian for certain people now. Not for everybody. No shade. Just, you know, keeping it a hundred. Because she ain't no it comedian for me. <laughs> but it's cool. I ain't paying her $13 million, so it's like... But that doesn't really negate the fact that that really is a huge discrepancy. And like you said, Monique has over 30 years of experience. She's hosted award shows. Like you said, has an Oscar. And But with all that being said, I do feel like there is a... There is the sense that Monique isn't as relevant as any of these comedians right now. So, I don't know. It, I'm just like torn because she, I feel like she isn't relevant. So... But the thing is, how do we define relevancy? Because because she's not like a Tiffany Haddish. She's not on the tip of people's tongue. But basically. But so, but at the same time, I get it. It's popularity. What's current? But Amy Schumer to me is not funny. Like I I don't I see her in whatever, and I'm like I'm not laughing hysterically. Is she to me? She's not relevant. She's relevant to the masses. But to me, it should be based off of experience. Let's be frank and let's just be honest. When oh, you some, want to do that now? Yeah, when something is mainstream media, that really means white mainstream media. Clearly, that's because, what it comes down to. Yeah, that and that's why she's being compensated the amount that she's getting. Yeah. But how many years does Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock have to be in the industry to see what Amy was getting? I don't if know. If she's aiming for thirteen million, and say Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock getting about twenty million, there's like a seven million dollar is off by that, right? And they're legends. And you only get seven million less from them, but then you got Monique, who's been in the industry longer than she has, getting paid nickels and dimes and pennies. Let's just be serious. It's $500,000. Like, it's not, that's a pretty nickel. I'll, I'll, I'll take that nickel. It's like, a pretty nickel, but when you compare it in, in regards to experience yeah. and how many years she's been in the game, that's a slap in the face. That's not even a slap, that's a hawk spit in the face. Like, real talk spit in the face. And then Wanda Sykes getting less than half of that, of being offered, like... And then you have D-Roy getting paid... Yo, it's D-Ray. D-Ray getting paid $5 million. Like, there's... Something's wrong. Like, no, how I, is Netflix doing their math? Like, how, Sway? What? Who? How are they doing their math? I'm getting heated. You would thought I was getting $500,000. No, I'm getting tight because... We really got to talk about this. We in 2018 and we got to talk about disparities in terms of pays. Like, we need to have this conversation. Like, I don't even understand how she's getting paid this amount. Monique ain't just step on the scene. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it ain't like she just stepped out here and was like, all right, well, I could kind of see. She has experience, and I'm sorry. To me, experience overshadows popularity because that doesn't make sense to me. And we have to talk about, is this play a part in terms of, because she did kind of speak in terms of racism and sexism. Does Is it at play here? Um, Based on what's happening right now, with like all this news about the times up and the equal pay, I definitely think there is some, there is something there in regards to her getting paid less because she's a woman. But she black too. Let's oh not yeah, forget that part. That's another, can't, can't miss that. There's another strike against her for that. And but just in, it's the, the disparity is there, and it definitely needs to be questioned and like examined and we need to make a change with this but just in general in our day and age now people can't even if you like people are dropping two albums like back to back like at one every month it's like we have so small attention spans like monique her 30 year career is like but it's, that's late. No, like what have you done do for me lately? Because we dropping two albums, or we we pulling no, a Chris I'm, Brown with forty five songs on a, on an album. No, you can't say that because you can't say, "Oh, let's negate all the years of experience because you're not popular." But let's talk about her being popular or non popular in Hollywood. She's she's technically blackballed, and she spoke about that. Yeah, because she spoke about some things that happened in Hollywood and how she's treated, and she's kind of blackballed. So that does explain why she may not have been getting as much roles as she wants to, that, and that could be a part of it. But also, too, she acknowledges her worth as a woman. And what bothers me about the whole situation is that I know people ain't gonna boycott Netflix. It's Netflix, no like way. maybe Hulu, no but way, way. maybe Amazon. But I don't think they're gonna boycott Netflix. But I commend her on her efforts and trying to move forward. And I, yeah. I promise people reaction to, oh, it's Monique. She's doing too much. She's being extra. They look at her like she's an angry black woman. And ain't nothing wrong with her wanting her proper payday. Because if it was a white man that came out saying the same thing, it would have never been, oh, he angry. It would have been he's entitled to his money. Matter of fact, let's take it a step further because I'm heated. So even now when we talk about equal pay and who's standing for who and respectability politics, I'm going to get into that. Tracy Ellis Ross is on Blackish with Anthony Anderson. They're both on top, basically leading the show. And recently, in I guess a Times Up session or form she was at, she disclosed that she's getting paid significantly less than him. The amount wasn't disclosed, but she's getting paid less. To the point, according to Hollywood Reporter, that because the discrepancy is so much, She's considering cutting back on her appearances on Blackish so she could be featured on other shows to compensate for that amount that she's missing out on. Now, let's put into perspective, you know what I'm saying, since we're on the topic of experience. Ross and Anderson both received multiple Emmy and Golden Globe nominations for their work. However, Tracy Ellis Ross is the only one to take home an award. And you know how I know that because I was watching it? Mm -hmm. She became the first black woman in 35 years to win a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical TV Series. Her speech was phenomenal. I cried and I was there with her because I was like, finally she won something. But to bring it back, she has more experience. Not saying that she has more experience, but she was recognized for her work. And by her winning that award, that's supposed to elevate her career and how much she gets paid. Mm -hmm. How the hell are you getting paid a huge discrepancy gap with Anthony Anderson? I'm not throwing shade at him because they said that part of the reason why he's getting paid more is because he is the executive producer on the show. Okay, that's fine. But it still doesn't explain the huge gap. 
Because and then and now also we have to discuss who is behind the scenes and who's running the show. Are opportunities afforded to black women as much as it is to black men or men in general when it comes to Hollywood in terms of being producers and executive producers? Are the opportunities afforded to black women as much? So if you don't have a lot of black women that could play that part or those positions and it's, the opportunities are not afforded to them, they're never going to have the right to be in those positions in order to make that kind of money. So at the end of the day, it's still a patriarchal system and men are still winning. So I get what you're saying about experience and who's relevant, but I'm sorry. I'm going to go, and we need to go by experience because if we went by experience, Trump wouldn't be president. <laughs> if you want to talk about popularity, <laughs> he went off of popularity. And look where we at now. Yeah. Haiti's a shithole country. Hey, hey, easy, easy, easy. Okay. I'm getting tight now. Like, now, because don't tell me about popularity and tip of the tongue. That's how this man won the election, if y'all want to bring it back and make it full circle. That's how this idiot won, because of popularity. And the Russians, too. They they played a part. But, no, let's keep it 100. We can't base off... I want it to be based off of experience. And if we base this stuff off of experience, you have the right people in the positions, we would have had Hillary. And we won't be doing a woman's march the second year in a row. I ain't even go to that. Continue. Because <laughs> I'm getting heated. Um, <laughs> no, no. You definitely made very valid points. Um, and this it is a problem. The disparity in the pay between And one that, more factor, too. Uh-huh. Also, let's because let's not just make it racial. It could also be sexism as well. Michelle Williams co-star with Mark Wahlberg on All the Money in the World movie. She received... Six hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. Mark Warburg got five million. You could continue, Pierre. It sounded like you were saying something important. I'm listening. <laughs> so what you were saying now? I was saying, yeah, it's a problem. It's one hundred percent glaring and kind of similar to what I was saying before. The fact that, um, the fact that when these issues are arising and they're not personally affecting us, at least I can speak for myself that I I can feel empathy but not really feeling as if it's happening to me the way the shithole comment and the h&m mm-hmm. hoodie affected me this is really a serious problem and i honestly never even thought about it that way so but then again you're a man and you know and i'm not you know we have our we go but back i, to I stand gender. with you if and you, listen, you're for, a man if you show, felt a I'm, woman was paid if i was paid three times more than you we did the same job how would you feel you feel good that's no. Oh, you paused. Okay. <laughs> Stop breathing, did you? Listen, we're going to work out the contract. I'm going to let you get 35% of our take-home pay for the podcast if we're getting paid. <laughs> Should be 75%, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> get back to the show. Um, No, no, but yeah, it's like all jokes aside, it really isn't. It's crazy. I didn't realize how big of a discrepancy this could be because obviously we're just looking at Hollywood but I'm sure this is playing out all across across all careers it is. all fields and but you see the thing is though when I added to you when I mentioned a Tracy Ellis Ross it was more people are basically siding with her more than they will with Monique maybe because Tracy Ellis Ross approach wasn't to boycott the blackest show of course Yeah. but it also ties into respectability politics because the way Tracy Ellis Ross is and the way she comes off, and she may not come off as an angry black woman in her approach. And it's just like, Monique is calling it for what it is, and she's always been that. She's always came out and just speak on a lot of issues, and that's par- partially why she's blackballed But to, in Hollywood. Sucks, but it's like, for her perception, people are just like, she's ODing. She's bugging out. 
You was just saying 500000 is a pretty penny. No, no more penny I'm, nickels and dimes. It's a pretty penny. I'm just saying, because she's being blackballed, like that's an opportunity to to get back in the ring and release. But you shouldn't have to settle. You shouldn't have to settle. Shit. We shouldn't have to settle. Because if she was a white man making those claims, she would first of all, she was a white man, they wouldn't even offer her that. They would be like, oh no, honey, you're worth more. Let's, let's be serious, okay? You're a talent. Like... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, to get you a chair with like a star on the <laughs> and back and everything of it. on it, like a trailer. Basically, so to me, it, she shouldn't have this. And I and I commend her for coming out and doing that. You know what I'm saying? Just like it triggered her. And you know what? And I'm gonna show you the similarities right here. You are gonna love me for this? It affected her and her pay and how she was being paid. As a result, she came out with a video to say to boycott Netflix. The H&M situation affected you directly, and as a result, you came out, you want to boycott H&M. Mm-hmm. You see how these, they directly affect you, yeah. and that's why you react in that manner. Yeah. No, and, that, and that's why I completely, I get where she's coming from, and I can, I, that's why I'm like, this really is a problem, and it, we need to do something about it. So if people it. said to you, you overreacted, she's overreacting too. Oh, no, I didn't say she overreacted. Oh, you didn't? No. Not at all? No. Okay. She thinks she's deserved. She deserves more for her career, her experience. I just feel like you're on the fence about it. You're like, she like you just you had said in the beginning that she's not really relevant in comparison to other comedians that are out there now, and basically she should be able to take it. But it's like, no. What if someone tell you, well, H and M is working. It's it's affordable, and this is how we're going to do it. It should not. Boycott H and M. Like, where where are we gonna get our tank tops? To be, to be, <laughs> so what? <laughs> like what? <laughs> Seriously, I don't. I hate to be that guy, but to that point, I would say that not everyone's gonna fight the same battle. I don't think everyone needs to be on the same battle. Bat- like some people want to go out there and they want to save the beaver dams. Like, and other people want. To <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, I'm following you, but it just you lost me. Continue. No, I'm, I'm like <laughs> I know. And me, I'm okay. I'm like I'm not gonna support H and M because of the cultural insensitivity. Like everybody is doing, everyone has to support the things that they're passionate about. And there's always gonna be people out there who are gonna back you. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's gonna be able to just all be on like the same side fighting every single battle there is to fight out there. But so. I definitely support her. She wants to boycott Netflix, and there are people who are going to get behind her to do that. I think she should, and I think more power to her. I think she would know better than me like what acceptable pay for the work that she's doing, especially with her experience having an Oscar, and like with all of that being said. But I just think, I don't know. She, she got blackballed. 500000 to do a special to kind of work your way back into that, like... But Dave Chappelle disappeared and came back. Yeah, he left. I He chose to leave, and she, unfortunately, it was... That was kind of happened to her. It wasn't by her own accord, her own choosing, so... Listen, I think... It's an opportunity to just have the stage to talk about these things and actually put what you're saying out there. And I I think you have to work with the game and work with how it just how it is. Like these are the rules, this is how things are operating right now. And if you gotta 
play in that line to make the change that you want to do, which is why for me, like me not spending any money at H&M, that's consistent with the laws and the rules. And I I can see real change happening by affecting someone's bottom line, Mm -hmm. but it's staying in line with what the rules of the game are. This is true. And I would just say to end on this note, I commend her for what she's doing and continue the good fight. I don't think she should have to settle. She's more than talented to get compensated more than what they're offering. Um, And I just hope that people don't take away from it. She just being an angry black woman, because that's always the case. Even if you speak out about something eloquently in what manner, you make a side eye, you're angry, you're this, you're that. She's just speaking her truth and she doesn't want to settle and she shouldn't have to. Um, and I think that's very important. And I hope that more actresses are going to come out and have these conversations about pay rate because, to me, I think it's embarrassing to have that conversation because everyone knows how much you're getting paid, but it's even more embarrassing to know that you got paid a significant less than your person that you worked with on set and you probably had either the same amount of roles as they did, if not more. And even in regards to Tracy Ellis, it's like she won mm-hmm. an Emmy and Anderson didn't win anything. Not saying that he's not deserving of anything, but... He didn't win. Um, well, correction, she won a Golden Globe. And that's supposed to elevate your career. And the fact that she did that and kind of took the steps and the measures and checked all the box, she's still getting paid less. And it's like their argument is, oh, she's not an executive producer. Put her in a position to be one. Then what's going to be your next argument? And I'll end on that. Damn. Great, <laughs> great ending. Once again, thank you for tuning into this episode, guys. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at unapologeticd underscore. You can also email us at unapologeticdifferent at gmail.com. And you can actually find our podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes by searching unapologetically different. And definitely, we're going to put the link for the unapologetically different ringtone in the show notes so definitely go and cop that thank you for the support guys we love you stay tuned for next week's episode bye